0: Everybody, I am Raymond Summerlin, your host for this edition of the Roto-World Football Podcast, and I will be joined today as I am every single Thursday by Rich Rebar to discuss the Thursday night game, as well as the most interesting data points from his weekly worksheet column, as well as later by Nick Minzio, who has all the most important starts and sits for week 13, the pivotal week 13 of the fantasy football season before we get to that however i would like to remind you to rate and review the podcast wherever you find it it helps other people find the show it helps us in the rankings and we very
2: very much appreciate it with that out of the way what's going on rich what's going on ray like you said week 13 you know kind of the last week of a lot of regular seasons and if your leagues are a lot like mine are i mean they're still as in a lot of these little leagues I'm in, there's still just a big gaggle of like six and five teams where, you know, anyone can still get in. So you know, hopefully, you know, we can get some people on the right track to, you know, securing that, that seventh win or you sneaking into the playoffs here if they still need it. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of, a lot of 500 and
0: near 500 teams mm-hmm. this year. It seems like it's been such an odd, an odd fantasy year. Some, you know, ups and downs, like, talking about we're talking about the Thursday night game Vernon Davis what happened last week with Vernon Davis right it's been one of those (laughs) it's been one of those weird weird kind of years and so yeah it's it's really close and hopefully we can help you help you get across the line and into the playoffs but let's get to that Thursday night game every week we talk about Thursday night this week it's Washington at Dallas 45 and a half point total Washington actually one point favorites on the road in Dallas you know my my how the mighty have fallen let's start with the road team and I think it's interesting to talk about Samaje P. Ryan because we've seen him come in these last two games, and I, I kind of doubted what was going to happen. You know, obviously he benefited from Chris Thompson getting injured, but he was he was already taking over a pretty big role. Now he's basically just the workhorse back. How, how should we view him? I guess in this game because this is obviously a great matchup. But even just moving forward, is he like? Is he like an
2: every week running back one at this point? I mean, based on the last two weeks, he's kind of kind of be in that c- conversation because we don't have many of those guys on the board. I mean, if you you know how it is when you do rankings, anytime you get to like that RB seven eight range, I mean, you're you're kind of putting guys in there that, that are getting touches, you know, that are getting opportunities, and he's in that role on a really good team, so or on a good offense. I shouldn't say good team overall because their record doesn't bear that out. But this is an offense that can move the football and provide you know opportunities for for him during. a game that we kind of want in fantasy he's kind of like in an elevated you know Jordan Howardish type of role right now and if you watch that game on Thursday night I mean he progressively got better as that game went on and you know he's the type of runner that in the second half of games can start to really inflict damage and he did that in that game with a limited offensive line as well in that game so I mean yeah I think he's got to kind of be in that conversation even if you just get a pocket you know of production here where we get this five six week run of him being like like a useful low end RB1 high end RB2 you just take it and run I mean obviously like you said it's been benefited from all you know Rob Kelly first going down, then Chris Thompson going out. Got it kind of a lot of inexperience behind him. And so I mean you just you just keep riding. Like you said, the matchup is good too. I mean without Sean Lee, the Cowboys have been run on, you know, steadily. So I think that I'm gonna have him probably like a lower end RB one this week. Yeah, I agree. And the schedule does get rough towards the end. He gets Arizona
0: and then Denver in the fantasy Super Bowl, assuming Denver still plays defense by then. I don't know if they're going to continue. <laughs> that team might just be that team might already be in Barbados by that point. So, so we'll we'll see what happens. But but yeah, I think over the next couple of weeks, I'm certainly interested in them. And then I mean, Jamison Crowder at this point must start. Jamison Crowder, Kirk Cousins must start. Josh Doxson, Vernon Davis. I'm you talk about Vernon Davis. You like I'm kind of just taking that as a one week. Okay, this is just this weird thing that happened, and we'll move past it. Josh Dockson is, is a lot more interesting. After this week, I don't think you're going to be able to use him just looking at the matchups and, and who he's going to have to deal with at cornerback specifically. But this week against Dallas, giving up the second most touchdowns to receivers, I still think I'm rolling him out there. I'm still riding him out there as kind of that wide
2: receiver three flex guy. How do you feel about it? Yeah, it's kind of how the area I have him. Wide receiver flex guy, I mean, his his targets have really kind of bumped around in terms of target share. I actually do like Crowder a lot more. If you look at the types of receivers that have given Dallas trouble this year, it's been the the Crowders as evidence for the 9 thirty three he had, but the Keenan Allens, the Larry Fitzgeralds, Cooper Cup had uh, a near wide receiver one game against them. It hasn't been those boundary field stretching types. So, I mean, I'm looking at Crowder. I'm looking at Vernon Davis, like you said. I mean, it was just one of those weird things, you know, just was the... You know the way that game lined up. You know against the Giants. You know no Jordan Reed again. He had been on this run of tight end one games in a row without Jordan Reed active. He still ran twenty eight pass routes. Just had the one target, which is just one of those things, I guess. I mean the tight end position is so barren that I don't see like how a guy with his upside and you know his opportunity like you're just going to completely run away. I think like you said, just leave it as a blip. Go back to him this week unless you have like a really strong option. Uh, and you, you know you hope that you know those targets come back this week. But yeah, I mean I'm in mean, on Dox as like a wide receiver three flex, like you said. I think. It's going to be a, a definitely a Crowder P. Ryan type of game, though. Yeah, I think so as well. But
0: when a team gives up that many touchdowns to wide receivers and you're the guy who's going to be using the red zone to score touchdowns, I think you you have to get excited about that. On the other side of the ball, we have to talk about Dak and Dez, right? We have to talk about what's going on with these guys. And, and I guess, what are you going to do with them? Because this is actually not a bad matchup for either of them. Dez a little bit more because you're going to see you know some Josh Norman but it's still not a bad matchup so what are you going to do with these guys
2: I mean you you, ha- you have to just keep playing Dez I think you know as like a wide receiver three unless you are a team that's, that's littered littered rich at wide receiver which you know you may or may not be but I know a lot of teams that have Dez really aren't in that situation I mean he just you just kind of have he has to carry like low at wide receiver two wide receiver three expectations though he did like he did have a, a, a moderate like PP, good PPR game when these teams last played and they only had 22 targets as a team in that game in the rain I think they will definitely be more than 22 pass attempts in this game uh, for for Dallas and he runs 75 percent of his routes away from Josh Norman so I mean it's not so you're not really scared Um, you know but Rashad Breeland's been been pretty decent this year as well so I mean it's just you need this offense to get on track though is the problem I mean if its offense isn't sustaining drives and setting up scoring opportunities like they haven't I mean Des doesn't have a chance to score and he hasn't scored now in five straight games which is the longest uh, streak he's ever had in the middle of a season so I mean you just keep rolling them out And, you know, hopefully you get a touchdown and you get some opportunity. I definitely think there will be higher pass volume. Dak's a little different. I don't really see how you can trust him given how replaceable quarterback – uh, points are and how he scored the last three weeks granted this is a much softer matchup than the ones he's had especially the last two weeks uh you know he, even though he was at home in both those games you know the Eagles and Chargers have been defenses that have been really strong I mean Washington has also allowed 50 or more rushing yards to three different quarterbacks this year so Dak has a little bit of that in his back pocket uh but I mean there's just like a lot of things have worked against the Cowboys uh and it's not just the Tyron Smith thing it's not just the Ezekiel thing. It's a co- uh, a compilation of a lot of different things pulling, pulling in different directions that have kind of torpedoed you know this end of season run here for Dallas and like I said with with the, with the quarterback points being as replaceable as they are I don't see like how you just don't give him another week and say I got a soft matchup hopefully he gets right next week I can use him at Oakland if he does get right in this week uh, and you just go out and you hit a stream whether it be you know uh, a guy that we'll talk about later in the show uh, and Josh McCown or you know you know Case Keenum if he's still available or something like that and you give it another week and see how he does in this matchup
0: well I mean Jameis Winston still out there in a lot of leagues, or at least was on Tuesday. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, I'd probably start Tyrod Taylor over him and let's move on to Josh McCown because that's, you know, the first guy you want to talk about. And I think that I would probably start him over Prescott this
2: week as well. Do you agree? Yeah, I would. I would. Like I said, Dak's going to be real tricky to trust, you know, especially if you're in a must win. And, you know, McCown is one of those guys, the air raid is back, baby, man. Josh McCown. I mean, he's already set career highs in passing yards and passing touchdowns at age 38. And he's had, like, a very peculiar season. I mean, McCown is tied with Matthew Stafford now at the league leading. He's got 11 touchdown passes from outside the red zone. He has just six touchdowns touchdown passes in the red zone, just is 26 in the league. For some context, 66% of the touchdown passes in the league are thrown from inside the red zone. I mean, that may scream regression, uh, but McCown just keeps producing, you know, regardless of opponent. I mean, he has 16 or more points in five of his past six games. He just posted uh, a season high against the Panthers. The most points they allowed on the season to a quarterback. He threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns. The Chiefs have only allowed multiple touchdown passes in two of their past six games, but they are giving up the splash plays. They're allowing 13.1 yards per completion. That's 31st in the league. They're allowing the fourth highest rate of passes to go for 20 or more yards in the season. That's something that plays right into the principles of this Jets passing game. So, I mean, I think McCown's going to be another one of those guys that gets, you know, 15 to 17 points this week, if not more. And he has multiple touchdowns, six of his last seven games. You love that, right? Love to see those
0: touchdowns. I think you, you're you right that there is some concern that that could, that could certainly come back down to earth. But the Chiefs on the road this year against quarterbacks have not have not been great. I'm, I think that this is a pretty good matchup for McCown, and I, I certainly would start him. Let's move on to another guy that is a surprise. I don't think if you'd have told me at the beginning of the year— that Devontae Adams would enter the fantasy playoffs as the clear number one receiver in Green Bay (laughs) that I would have trusted you but that's where we are right now and he has a great matchup this week so so what's kind of his outlook how are you viewing him
2: yeah definitely if we had told you that you would have said oh man some guys got injured uh you know but especially in the context of that Brett Humley took over too as well I mean you know Humley is all but largely nuked one of the elite offenses in the NFL but Adams has not only survived like you said I mean he's elevated he's been elevated by Humley's arrival under center his target share over the past four games has been 26.3 32 27.8 34.6 while he's been the wide receiver: 27, 12, 8, and 11 over that span. For some overall context, Hundley has targeted Adams some 28 per six. 28.6% of his throws overall, while Adams was targeted by Rodgers on 28.4%. And that was with, you know, basically Jordy Nelson missing an entire game against Atlanta. You know, Tampa Bay, we talk about them, it seems like, every week. I mean, they're facing the most targets per game, 10.5. They're allowing the most receiving yardage uh, per game to opposing wide receiver ones, while allowing the second most touchdowns to opposing wide receiver ones at eight. Uh, they're also getting murked in the vertical passing game. They're allowing the most completions, highest completion rate, and touchdown passes on throws, 15 yards are further downfield. So, I mean, that can set up a splash play like Devontae Adams has hit the past two weeks against Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Um, and, he, you know, he's just getting tons of opportunity from Hundley and has turned it into high-end production. Um, like I said, while well, the Buccaneers have just been one of our favorite targets on the season at this point. And we're at the point of the season where you specifically are looking at the schedule and saying, who are these teams playing? Who are the guys getting opportunities in these, in these against these teams in this game? Uh, and the Buccaneers' defense is one of those teams. Absolutely.
0: You're, you're going to attack this matchup, especially... I mean, Adams plays so much on the left side of the offensive formation, he's going to avoid Grimes mostly. This is is about as good as matchups get for receivers, except for maybe the next matchup, which is the one that DeAndre Hopkins gets against the Titans. And as it turns out, Hopkins is so good at football that it does not matter that Tom Savage is his quarterback. He just keeps doing it, keeps doing it, keeps doing it. And I, I would expect you think it's going to continue this week against the Titans.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's had a very special season. Even the Texans going back to Tom Savage uh, the past month, he's been unaffected. He's got 17.6 or more PPR points in all four of Savage's starts over the past month. The impressive part um, of all four of those games is they come, they've come. they all come against teams that have been limiting wide receiver one production all season long. You know, something that definitely isn't the case this weekend. I mean, Hopkins leads the league with 34.2% of his team's targets. He's roasted the Titans over his career he averages 103.3 receiving yards per game against Tennessee his highest total versus any opponent he's faced multiple times is at least 94 receiving yards in seven of those nine career games and he's been he's been a wide receiver one in six of those nine games with 14 and a half or more PPR points in seven of those games and we look at Tennessee they've allowed at least 14.6 PPR points to every wide receiver one they face with the exception of T.Y. Hilton twice and Kenny Britt uh, you know, while allowing a league-high nine touchdowns to opposing wide receiver ones. So, I mean, this is a definitely a, a week where Hopkins stays, you know, cemented in the top five to, to, uh, regardless of Tom Savage, you know, who hasn't been able to submarine his season yet. Yeah,
0: and I mean, I just – I I don't need to add stats to what you just said, but <laughs> second most touchdowns to receivers. He lit them up. You mentioned his history. He lit them up last time. Obviously, that was with Deshaun Watson, but it's just – I think he's probably maybe the second or third best play this week, and I'm, I'm very excited to have him in my lineups in a must-win game, one of my must-win games. Finally, a guy I would be excited to have in my lineup. Unfortunately, I do not have him in any leagues, I don't think, but I definitely have him in some DFS lineups, and that is Alvin Kamara. And he's such an interesting fantasy player because logic tells me, my brain tells me he cannot keep doing this, <laughs> but he just keeps doing it. So <laughs> tell me what to think.
2: Yeah, it's kind of one of those just perfect storm situations and the production's there. And we've, we've seen this happen, to like, not to this extent, but where these things just don't course-correct themselves in the midst of a season. You know, uh, a full season sometimes is still too small in the NFL. We forget that sometimes, the sample size. Uh, you know, obviously everyone's buzzing. I got Kamara for good reason. I mean, he's now the RB3 in PPR leagues overall behind Le'Veon Bell and Todd Gurley, despite having 182 and 115 fewer touches than those two backs who are ahead of him. Uh, he's been a splash play dynamo as ever by his his ridiculous 7.1 yards per carry, 10 yards per reception. That has led to splash play scores. He leads all running backs with six touchdowns of 10 yards or longer on the season. Uh, He's the first rookie now to have at least 500 yards rushing and receiving over the first 11 games of a season since Herschel Walker in 1986. And he's the first New Orleans running back to have uh, 100 yards from scrimmage in four straight games since Deuce McAllister in 2003. Now, the Panthers are interesting. Maybe some of that regression comes to hit this week. They've yet to allow a back to have 100 yards from scrimmage in the season um but his floor Kamara's is still one of the safest in the league he's had 12 or more ppr points in nine straight games uh the saints haven't done that for a running back since darren sproles in 2011 i mean you're always playing him i just wanted to use this part as a salute to his awesomeness and ridiculous so far
0: yeah and there's always a player every year that i leave the dynasty draft season so you know like may in early june and i i say how did i not end up with this player in any of my dynasty leagues And Alvin Kamara was that guy this year, and now I am deeply, deeply upset about it. (laughs) Uh, It's just...
2: It hurts it hurts my soul. But I guess no one cares about your fantasy team, so I would just say he was just very interesting. He was a guy I didn't have a great pulse on just because he was I mean, he looked good when he played, but you know, they never played him. Uh he popped when he was in. But I just didn't have a great read on him and I only took him by default, like in some dynasties, just the situation he went into and the type of player he was. It felt like a good fit. But like I he was a guy that I really didn't have like a true pulse on as a prospect. Yeah, he was someone I, I just
0: a guy that just can't get tackled. When a guy can't get tackled,
2: he's probably a pretty good running
0: back and you should like him. And that's Alvin Kamara. It's also Kareem Hunt. So, so fun. Something something to watch, I guess, moving forward. Thanks as always, Rich. Remember to read the worksheet on RotorWorld.com. Every week you should do it. I do it. You should read it as well. You can find Rich on Twitter, at Lord Reeves. And I will be back with Nick Minzio in just a second. We are back with Nick Minzio, who writes stardom and sit 'em over at rotoworld.com, which you should read every week. What's going on, Nick? What's up, Ray? Living the dream, my friend. I had a better Thanksgiving than I think you did as Josh just put you on blast on on the podcast on Tuesday. Did you hear that?
1: No, I don't listen to I don't listen to podcasts, man. <laughs> <laughs> I saw I saw you mention me though, but I was like, no, I'm not even gonna listen to this.
0: Like if they needed a snapshot of Nicovinzio. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is me to a T.
0: Uh, that's good stuff. All right. Well let's uh let's get on to the starts and the sits and we'll we'll get started with Marquise Lee, who was on the other side of this list last week, but he you're back on board this week. Why?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's been shut down the past two weeks against Jason McCourty and uh, Patrick Peterson, what he caught, like one ball last week for 13 yards against Patrick Peterson. I'm, I was ex- I was expecting that, obviously, going into the game. I, I wasn't playing him anywhere. But i like him to pop back up in the spot against the Colts. The Colts have just lost Rashawn Melvin to a uh, dislocated metatarsal in his hand. Uh, it's going side, to uh, sideline him this week at least. But Coach Chuck Pagano thinks he could play the next week. So that doesn't matter for this spot anyway. But Marquise Lee was seeing 10 targets per game before the Patrick Peterson dud. So I like him to bounce back in this spot. The Colts are just so bad. They're playing out the string on the on the season right now. And I like this uh, Jags offense to definitely do some work. They got, they got a 25 point total, which is pretty high for Jacksonville.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. And you mentioned his target share averaging almost 10 targets a game in the five before that Patrick Peterson game. It will be interesting to see what happens with D.D. Westbrook after we saw his usage last week. I think it had a lot to do with that Peterson coverage Uh of Lee, but it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. But yeah, I'm, I'm on Lee this week as well. Another guy I'm on, Cooper Cup, who delivered and then some in his first game without Robert Woods. Do you expect him to keep that going this week against Arizona?
1: Yeah, PPR leagues last week Cup was awesome. It just would have been better if he scored a touchdown. Uh, he he came close on that broken play that kind of that ball that kind of got lost in the sun against Kenny Vaccaro that went for I think fifty three yards. But I mean eleven targets, season high, one hundred sixteen yards, a season high uh, catches. Or he had eight of them last week. That's a season high as well. Just with Robert Woods out of lineup, they're just leaning on Cup hard than hard in this one. And then like we mentioned, Patrick Peterson with Marquise Lee, I think. Sammy Watkins is going to be the one drawing Peterson this week, so I think Cup could flirt with twelve to fifteen targets in this game. It's a pass funnel defense in Arizona; they play really strong run defense. So I think Jared Goff's going to be delivering a lot of balls to uh, Tyler Higbee, uh, Cooper Cup in the middle of the field, Todd Gurley out of the backfield. So I like all these guys a little bit. Not Higbee as much, but I like Curly. I like Gurley and Cup a lot in DFS.
0: And I mean, it's worth noting that Cup had a pretty good game against these guys the first time around. And that was with Robert Woods there. So if they're going to have to funnel even more targets to him, then then you're certainly going to like that. Let's go on to Latavius Murray, who has been you know, a great fantasy play the last several weeks. Since week seven, he has scored as many standard points as Le'Veon Bell, if you believe that. But you are off him this week.
1: Yeah, he's just... Oh, man, I just... I know the volume is awesome. He's getting a ton of carries, 18 carries, 19 carries, 17, 15, 20 in his last five games. I scored five touchdowns in that span, but I just am not a Latavius Murray believer at all. And I don't like guys that don't catch passes. And he catches none. He's he last caught two passes in the game back in like week four, I think it was. So I like Jarrett McKinnon in this spot to bounce back against the Falcons. The Falcons really play play strong run defense. They're uh, they're allowing uh 3.27 yards per carry on the ground to running backs over the last five games. uh, But they're they're allowing the six most catches to running backs in that span. So I like McKinnon to bounce back in this spot and and Murray to take a little bit of a backseat in this one.
0: I don't know if I can overlook the volume. Like you make really great points. Yeah,
1: I mean, I'm not saying flat out bench this guy in fantasy, but I would definitely temper my expectations back a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. All right, let's get to DeMarco Murray, our last guy who has been, unlike the other Murray, downright bad. The last couple <laughs> weeks, do you think he's going to turn it around against Houston?
1: Oh man, I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't see it. Obviously, but uh, he's been held under twenty rushing yards in three of the last four games. Played a ten week low, fifty three percent of the snaps last week. He just looks flat out done. Uh, the, the Texans are getting Brian Cushing back from suspension this week. Uh, they've they're allowing three point two yards per carry to running backs or the last five. Just the way to beat this this defense is through the air, and I think Marcus Mariota has been a huge disappointment, but. He's going to be the one that's going to have to do it in this in this spot. And uh, the Titans have an awesome total of twenty five points. But Derrick Henry took over that game last week late in the game against the Colts. I think they need to lean on this guy more. And if the snap counts were indicative at all, I, I think they could go back to Mer- uh, go back to Henry in this spot more. So much like Latavius, I'm tempering expectations back on DeMar- Demarco. I don't know if I could fight out bench him because of his volume, but I, I'm not excited about playing him whatsoever.
0: And you mentioned it. Derrick Henry actually played one more snap last week. He's just been so much better. I hope that is a sign they are coming to their senses on this backfield split. It's not a good matchup anyway. Yeah, I'm with you on DeMarco Murray. I don't know if I could bench him, but I'm with you on kind of lowering expectations. Yeah. And
1: I mean, Henry did all the work on that late drive, and then they lined up both of them in the backfield. DeMarco was the fullback, and they just gave the ball to DeMarco at the one yard line to give him the touchdown after Henry did all the work in them down the field.
0: Yeah, that's that hurts if you were someone relying on Derek Henry. Thanks as always, Nick. Remember, you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Minzio. You can also follow Rich at Lord Reeves. I'm on Twitter at RM Summerlin. Also, do not forget to rate and review wherever you find the podcast, and we will be back to talk to you next week.